Welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. It is now 2023. We've been off for a little while, but we are back, and I've got a great episode for you today. I got in touch with our friend of the podcast, Justin Overlander, who we've had on, I believe, four or five times now. I never can keep count. Um, But Justin, who is now working with Brock Heasley on a movie called The Shift, was the associate producer on The Chosen for the first two seasons. And now he is, he's left The Chosen to go uh, work on some other projects. And he got me in contact with his buddy, Adam Drake, who is the first assistant director on The Chosen for uh, the last few seasons, all of the seasons so far. Adam's awesome. I brought him on today. Uh, we talked a, a little bit about season three. We talked about the future of the show and then a couple of just uh, things from the, the past few seasons. Uh, if you don't know what a first assistant director is, though, he'll explain a little bit. Uh, Adam's uh, very highly involved in the filming process, and we brought him on today to talk about The Chosen. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to 2023 and the Spring Hills Podcast. I've got Adam Drake on a Zoom call today for the Spring Hills podcast. Uh, this is Adam. This is our first podcast episode of the year, so we're kind of re-kicking off our our feed. Um, so this is I always like to do these chosen episodes. This will be the fifth one that I've talked to somebody uh, from your show, and our church loves the show. We've done a bunch of groups and stuff where we've watched the show together and binged a bunch nice. of the episodes, and then discussion groups and stuff. So. Um, now, yeah, now, no, so who all have you talked to? So I'm pre- I've prepared myself here. Uh, just Justin. <laughs> oh, just, just Justin. Justin. Oh, well, it can only go uphill from here. That, so yeah, right. that's what he told me. He's like, hey, you're at the bottom of the barrel. Now I'll get you someone better. Um, so I interviewed uh, him and Brock also um, oh, nice. a couple months oh, ago the about the shift. Yeah. So that yeah. was fun, too. But yeah, Justin, I, I feel like I've become buddies with him because I talk to him about basketball all the time also now. Um, especially, oh, with- yeah, no, I can talk basketball. So I, I, I played college basketball and I'm a, I'm a big basketball guy, so I can talk that all day too. So that was part of my, my questioning here at the beginning was to get to know you a little bit. Uh, I listened to another interview that you had done. Uh, I think it was called like working from your happy place or something like that. Um, uh-huh. and you talked about a little bit about basketball. So I, I'm basketball was my thing growing up too. And I played college basketball and, um, how old are you? I feel like we're about the same age. 36. I'm 35. Okay. So not too nice. far apart there. Um, so yeah, you played college basketball over, you're in Tennessee. Yes, correct. Is that where you played? Yeah. I played in Nashville at Trebekah Nazarene, Nazarene university. Oh, nice. Cool. I was at Azusa. Uh, my, it was, it was oh, okay. cut, cut short for me, um, with, uh, with some health stuff, but, um, man, fun, fun times there. Uh, now, Justin said that you're you claim to be a warrior fan, but you're a Tennessee oh, yeah. guy. So where's the warrior fandom come from? So I have I have lots of reasons actually. So in high school I was a warrior. I played for the White County Warriors. So we okay. were warriors growing up in high school. And then at Treveca, we were Trojans, which was basically the same thing. It was like the same emblem. It was a warrior. And then my favorite um NBA era with Michael Jordan was Steve Kerr. Like I absolutely loved the white guy that could shoot. Cause that was me. Yeah. So I love Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr was my guy with the bulls. Like, of course I was a Michael Jordan fan. And, uh, and then honestly, after the Michael Jordan era, I kind of stopped watching basketball for a long I, Life was busy and I never watched the NBA or anything like that. And then, uh, when Steph Curry came along, uh, it was, uh, you know, a short guy in the NBA that can shoot lights out. And obviously is the 
best shooter of all time now. Right. And that's what I was. I was a shooter. So I started watching him and I was like, Oh my goodness. And then, and then it was like, Oh, Steve Kerr's the coach and they're the warriors. I was like, these are my guys. I know. So it's like, so, uh, so I, I instantly became a fan also just because Steph Curry, I love watching people that change the game. And so like Kobe was fun, of course, to watch ever since Michael Jordan has been like Kobe. And then, and, and, and I feel like Steph obviously has changed the game more than like a LeBron James. And so it's like, it's just, it's so much fun to watch him. And so I just instantly became a fan. Yeah. I think plus, Steph- he, plus, plus, plus Steph claims to be a believer, which I'm all about too. Sure. So I was like, I, how can I not be a fan? Yeah. Yeah. Steph, I think if he, he shifted this game more than I think anybody else has in such a short amount of time. Like, I mean, other guys obviously mm-hmm. have had huge impacts. Um, but I mean, the way that the, the game completely, you watch, you go watch a high school game. Now the, the amount of threes that get taken on fast breaks is just unbelievable now. <laughs> Um, and if you go, if you go everybody watch, everybody thinks they're Steph Curry now. I know. Yeah, everybody does. So you go watch in the '90s, though. Even with Steve Kerr, how great of a shooter he was, he didn't put up that many shots. So it was like he, right. He just had exactly. to to take the shots he was given, and and of course we all know Steve Kerr was just about the best there was. I think he's still the leading three point percentage guy. Uh, granted, his volume was not near what the guys are now, but right. I think he's like forty five percent or something. Yeah. I know. And that's, I mean, I didn't even know that statistic, but I remember that's what I loved about him was like, he only shot every once in a while, but when he did, man, it was pretty much going in. Yes. It was like, and it was always a big moment. It was like, they always needed yeah. it. And there he was to take the open shot and put in. I love that. I was like, that's going to be me in the NBA. Cause yeah. I'm not going to be an all-star. I'm not going to be like a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James or Steph Curry, but I can be the guy that's standing over the corner and waiting to get that one Wait, shot that, it, yeah. that, that matters. Yeah. I used to tell people I wanted to be the worst player in the NBA so I could get paid a lot of money to exactly. watch basketball. <laughs> Exactly. That was me too. I was like, dude, I'll be, the, I'll be the little guy that shoots, stands over in the corner, waits for the one open shot per game. I'll yeah, take it. You that's know? great. And get paid four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars to do it. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I could talk about basketball all day. Probably, uh, probably too much. Uh, too much. I could talk about basketball. I don't get to talk about it very often. There's not many, very many basketball people around here. I, I live in. So I'm in Santa Rosa. Um, and we're so we're about I don't know forty five minutes to an hour uh, north of the of San Francisco. And so everyone here is Warrior fans. I'm not a Warrior fan. Um, I don't have anything against the Warriors, but they're just mm-hmm. not my team. I grew up with, uh, you know, my brother who's a huge Kings fan. And uh, then, of course, I grew up in the same era as you. And since my brother was the Michael Jordan fan, not that I'm not a Michael Jordan fan, but I, w- I didn't want to just like the Bulls because he liked the Bulls. Sure. So sure. the next big thing was Shaq and Penny. So Shaq and Penny yeah. in Orlando became my thing, and Orlando stuck with me. So I'm mostly That's an cool. Orlando fan. And then secondary Kings fans. So it's been a rough 15 years for us. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that was the thing is I, I never became a Tennessee, a Memphis fan because like in Tennessee, I'm in, I'm, I'm close to Nashville. So I'm in, I'm in Memphis, you know, it's down in the bottom corner. I have yeah. no ties to Memphis at all. I'm never there. I've been there like twice my whole lifetime. I just have no ties to it all. It feels like a different place. Well, so they were like, all, they were up in time. Vancouver when we were kids too. So it wasn't like they Yeah, yeah. So it was like, yeah. So like to have a team all the way in the bottom corner to see where I can't ever go to a game. And I, yeah. I, it's like Memphis is like a different place. Now, if Nashville ever got a team, I'd probably instantly become that fan. Like I would instantly be like, because I love Tennessee. I love yeah. my state. But so it's like, I, I kind of had to adopt somebody else because it was like, Tennessee doesn't really have a team, at least for me, because it's like, Memphis, it feels like another place. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're actually, we're coming out to, we're going out to Nashville in a month for my wife's uh, sister's wedding. And we've got a whole week of stuff going on with the, the wedding. And so I'll have a couple days with the boys. Uh, and I was like, dude, I'll, how far away is Memphis? Cause I had no idea. Cause I was like, maybe we'll go to a mm-hmm. Grizzlies game or something. And I'm like, oh, nope, too long of a try for me to take these <laughs> it's kids. It's not even close. I no, know. not even close. So, 
Uh, well, cool, man. Yeah, like I said, I could talk about basketball all day, but uh, let's let's talk about you and uh, with acting and filmmaking and, and the things that you've done. Um, so you you started acting in college. You said you played basketball in college. You started acting in college then. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. What was the draw to it for you? Man, I, uh, I'd done like, because I always played sports, I didn't have time to do like drama through the high school and stuff like that. But I did, I always did some in my church when I had some free time and did a little bit of drama. My parents were like, they kind of always did the drama at the church and stuff like that. So I got a little bit involved like that. And I was, my parents always told me I was naturally gifted at it and I could kind of just jump in and do it with a little practice, you know, for mm-hmm. the dramas. And so I enjoyed that. And then, um, there was just, uh, my mom actually told me about, about it. There was an opportunity in Nashville. It was like a, uh, to audition for a bunch of agents that were coming into town to kind of like, it was modeling and acting. So it was like, you could like bring in some headshots and pictures and, and then like actually walk a runway and, uh, which is crazy to think about now. Um, but actually walk a runway and then also do like a monologue in, in front of these agents. And she's mm-hmm. like, you should try it out. And so I did, it went really well. And, uh, and, and I instantly booked some agents and then, um, from that, and then pretty immediately within a couple months, I booked my first gig, and then so then from there it was like, oh, this is amazing. So my first gig was uh, I modeled for Febreze. Oh, cool! Uh, I was modeling for all their print ads and their their uh, online ads and all that stuff. And so they took me out to Kentucky, I think it was, and did a bunch of pictures for like a day and paid me a ton of money just to be there for a day and take a bunch of pictures and like and it was kind of like it was fun too. I was doing like not just like it wasn't like model like you think it was. It was kind of like some regular pictures, but then there were some fun ones too, where yeah. I was like smelling really bad stuff and smelling <laughs> really good stuff. And there's like some fun goofy pictures. And so I got paid a lot of money to do that. And then, and then, uh, I started booking it cause I was in Nashville, started doing a lot of music videos and things like that and just walked on and never really been on a set, walked onto these sets as an, as an actor on some of these music videos and was just blown away. It was just like, this is, this is home. This is it. This is where I want to be. This is awesome. And, um, and I was also, it was like my junior year of college. I still didn't have a major. I went to college to play basketball. That was it. I had no other goals or ambitions in life. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. The only thing I wanted to do was play in the NBA. I wanted to be that guy. Same as you. I wanted to be the last. Like, let me just squeeze in and sit on the bench, and I'd be happy. Be around basketball wanna, and yeah, get, get paid, paid for to, it. Yeah, get paid to be around basketball because I had no passion for anything else. Mm-hmm. Never had. Didn't. There was no job I wanted. I, everything sounded boring and lame to me. And uh, then like my junior year when I started getting on these sets, it was the only other thing that like, wow, I, I'm starting to become really passionate about this. I really enjoy this. I love being around this environment. And, uh, and so not only was I falling in love with it, but also I felt a calling to it. It was instant that I felt like the Lord was telling me like, this is your mission field. Mm. Like there's no, I don't want to, you know, you don't need to go overseas. You don't need to go over here. What's impacting our culture the most is Hollywood is films and movies and television. That's your mission field. That's where I want you. And so I just felt a calling to it and instantly felt a passion for it. And my entire life just shifted that direction. Did you grow up? Uh, did you grow up in a Christian home? I did. I grew up in a, in a Nazarene home, which is pretty funny um, to think about. Cause uh, when I was a kid, we weren't even allowed to go to the movies. No, I, my dad was a pastor at a Nazarene church and he, he snuck us like two towns over or something like that to see home alone in the theaters. And he just was like guilt ridden about it because he's not supposed to do that. Um, now we ended yeah. up at a evangelical free church and, and they didn't care, but, uh, yeah, not allowed to go to the movies and then working in the industry is kind of, a. Uh, um, an ironic thing when you, so you started acting, but then I, I also noticed in one of your interviews, you, you used the term that you fell into the role of first, uh, assistant director. 
How did you fall mm-hmm. into that role? Oh, there's so, there's so many ways. It's like, um, you know, I think when somebody comes onto a film set, they instantly know too whether it's a place for them or not. Like as oh. soon as you walk onto a film set, most people go, "Oh, this is really boring, and I can't stand. It. I don't want anything to do with this." And then there's the other that goes, "This is my. Pe- this is it. This is awesome. Like I could be here every day." But so many people struggle with, "Okay, but what's my role?" Like there's so many different positions and there's so many things to do, and I think so many people go, "Well, I don't know what to do." And um, so for me, I knew I wanted to make my own content. I wanted to direct my own content, which I've, I've also done directing and producing my own stuff. But it was like, where do I fall into it now? And um, for when I was acting, I was a I was a stand-in. If you know what a stand-in is, it's that's it. So you get paid more than a background extra. You actually get paid pretty well, and you're more like a crew member. And when the actors come in, rehearse the scene, and then when they step away, the stand-ins come in and stand in for them while we light, while they do the lighting, which might take, excuse me, thirty minutes to an hour or something, and. And, and then they, and then you go out and the actors come back in and do the scene. And also a lot of times you'll walk through the scene, rehearse the scene, just like the actors do. So your job as a stand in is for 12 hours a day is to just be there and pay attention. Like your only job is to pay attention. So when I was acting, I started booking a lot of standing gigs and I did a, I, I was standing in for one of the main characters for a show. I was there every day for like three months three or four months standing in for the lead role. So I was there every single day. And uh, I was just watching you learning, you know, because the only job is to pay attention. But I sit around all day and do nothing, basically. But listen, and I just remember watching at the time. I didn't know who he was, but the first AD. And I was like, man, I could do that. I feel like I'd be good at that. And he was just like, he just made everything go. He was making everything move. He's like, okay, you go here, you do this. Or first team's in, second team's out, like moving everybody, making everything happen. I mean, he's directing the show, right? you know logistically he's, he's directing everything and i remember just thinking well I, I was like a lot of the other positions are kind of like boring we a lot of downtime like and uh i'm like I, you know i've always been a, a leader in alpha and basketball i was always the leader you know so i was like I, that feels like the you know the right thing for me yes yeah, and so, uh i can totally do that real quick can you explain um i mean i i worked i, I got an in, i had an internship at disney animation i was i was a film major at azusa but that again, that didn't last very long because I wasn't at Azusa for very long. Um, and so I learned a little bit, but the first assistant director was something that I hadn't really heard too much about. So can you explain a little bit what your role is as the first assistant director? Yeah. So, uh, when we can just, uh, use the chosen for an example for right now, Yeah. since we'll talk about it. But, um, so when Dallas writes the scripts, Dallas and the writers finish the scripts, I'm one of the first people to get them up. So they send me the scripts and then I take it and I break it down into what would be a schedule. So I take the each location. So if it's in the synagogue and then it's also at Simon's house and, yeah. and that I take those and I break them apart and all the pieces and I take the script and pull out all the characters and pull out all the props and then start laying it out of, okay, how many days is it going to take us to shoot this and how long is each day and where are we going to be and what we're going to do? So I start laying all that out. And, um, and then once I lay that out, I work closely with Dallas, the, the cinematographer, the producers and all of production to kind of make that work inside of everybody's schedule. And, uh, and then once we start filming, it's my job to keep to it, to keep us on schedule. So, um, uh, I'm making sure the actors are ready on time to come in when the camera's ready, when we're ready to lighting and we have like a, like, like stand-ins, like I was talking about stand-ins, that would be our second team is what I call them. Second team would come in and stand in for first team. And then, so I'm, I'm making all the puzzles move all day long. So if you were to walk onto a film set, you would instantly think that I'm the director. Most people think I am if they've never been on a film set. 
Whereas uh, Dallas is obviously the director, but he's quiet behind the monitor watching for performance and, and how the story and the overall flow of the show, whereas I'm everything logistical. So I'm just making sure all the pieces come together so that you can actually get to see what's on the camera. I'm making sure it's all in place. Yeah. So you you're, know, and, you're... And, I have, and my team is also handling the background and, and the, uh, the background actors and bringing them into place and putting them in the right spaces that actually fit into the frame. And uh, so it's my job to keep us on time and then obviously to keep us moving and efficient. And then also safety as well. So when we're doing stunts or when we're doing something a little more wild and crazy, then it's my job to also keep us safe and make sure we're doing it in a safe manner. Or if you're doing like not on the chosen, obviously, but other films, that's where you're dealing with gun or explosions and things sure. like that. Yeah. You don't have any guns or explosions in the chosen season three yet? Not currently. <laughs> I've Justin just was wait. talking about something. Just wait. One of the first times I interviewed him, he said something, uh, you know, Justin, his humor. Sometimes you don't mm -hmm. totally know that he's joking. And at one point, he said something about how the, uh, uh, I think he said the the aliens or something come into season season five, but he said it so dry and so quick, and I almost missed it. And I was like, wait, hold on, let's go back to your joke about the aliens. And he, but yeah, uh, Justin's humor also sometimes I just kills me, dude. Um, yeah. Let yeah. me ask you. Can I ask you about? I'm not ashamed. Yeah, sure. So you were the associate producer. I, was a little, I, I may not remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. So, but when I looked up your on your IMDb, that immediately stuck out to me because that not only just the movie, but I mean, like the event itself of the Columbine shooting was such a. Um, it kind of it shook everybody, especially kids our age oh, yeah. that were. Uh, I mean, I think I was in junior high when that happened and stuff. But um, so you associate producer on that movie, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. So when I saw that movie, it, man, it sticks with you because it's such a heavy topic. It's not, it's not a fun watch. Like it's, it's one of those movies that you mm -hmm. know what's going to happen. So you're kind of like, you're, you're waiting around for this um, uh, incredible tragedy uh, to happen, but your involvement as the associate producer, how closely were you involved uh, during like the filming of all that? Yeah, so the deal was with that one, they wanted to bring me on as the first AD, but I wasn't available. I was on another shoot and uh, oh, okay. or had our. So I actually I helped them a ton in prep, kind of helped them crew up, get all their crew together, was help, and I did the original schedule and even scheduled it for them like an AD would okay. until they got another AD. Um, so I was with them up until, and then I think I stayed for like the first week of shooting, and then I was gone for two weeks, and then I came back for like their fourth week of shooting, and it was actually on set every day for that. So I was I was there probably a little less than half the time, um, but, well, but watched the whole thing come together. What yeah. was it like being a part of retelling, uh, not just not just the story as a whole, but this specific girl Rachel's story? Just like again, such a tragedy to happen, but like being a part of that did that did that weigh on you guys a lot? Yeah, I think so. I mean, anytime you do something like that, I, you know, it's it's. Um, when, when you're not filming like fun things like comedy and things like that, and you're filming heavy scenes, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's heavy to deal with. It feels, um, I wouldn't say it feels like you're in the moment, but it just feel, you know, you just feel the weight of the situation. I mean, the same thing with the chosen, you know, when we, we film some heavy scenes in, and, and everybody knows there's heavy scenes coming with Jesus and like, and, and, and season six is just going to be difficult. It's, it's just going to be hard. And, um, and, and it, it, um, uh, it's humbling. It's, it's almost like a, a, a sobering moment, you know, just, um, being quiet and, and, uh, it does make the day more difficult at the end of the day. You feel more, uh, you're more tired, exhausted. Yeah. Just from kind of the emotions of the day as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. That whole um, movie that, I mean, I, again, I haven't seen it. I, it's not one you rewatch. Like it's not yeah you, one you put on in the background, but I didn't even hard. I, I have a hard time watching movies like that sometimes, but um, at the time I was a, the pastor at our church for the college group and uh, they all wanted to go see it. So I went and saw it with them and I, it, man, it stuck with me for like a week. It, my wife was like, yeah, you were like depressed for like a week after that. I'm like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I wouldn't even let yeah. her watch it because I didn't want her to, to feel yeah. that. But what a what a great story from uh, uh, with that girl, Rachel Joy Scott. If you anyone who's listening to this, if you haven't seen, I'm not ashamed. It's a really good movie about uh, Rachel Joy Scott and her story leading up to uh, the the Columbine shooting back. What was that 2001, 2000, somewhere around there? Yeah, I don't even remember. Or 99, maybe even. It was yeah, somewhere around yeah. there. Cool, man. Well, let's talk about The Chosen. Um, first of all, how'd you get connected with Dallas? I think uh, I'd also read that you were one of the the people he sent the script to originally, right? Uh, I've been involved with from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. he sent me the script. Um, he sent me the script early on to 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 want to hire me. Yeah. So yeah, how'd you get connected um, with him uh, originally? So uh, I made a film back in 2016 called Heaven Bound. It's a comedy, and I wish so. Uh, my partner and I, Tori Martin, which Tori Martin already knew Dallas, uh, which uh, Tori's somebody you should have on the show too, by the way. Awesome guy. So, anyways, Tori uh, introduced me to or had told me about Dallas. And I think we might have connected on the phone or like email or something like that, but never met in person. And then we were showing Heaven Bound at a film festival at the same time Resurrection of Gavin Stone was showing. Dallas mm. is a uh, greatest failure. And uh, <laughs> so, um, the, and and very similar to both comedy Christian comedies and show, so they showed back to back at a film festival, and so Tori introduced me to Dallas there at the festival when we were watching. I can't remember which one showed first. I think yeah, I think Heaven Bound showed first, and so um, and then afterwards Dallas asked a bunch of questions. Like absolutely loved the movie. Thought it was really funny and really well done for for such a low budget we had because we were much smaller than Resurrection of Gavin Stone, and so. Um, so Tori introduced me to Dallas. But I think I heard you say your movie was better. Is that what I heard you say? Oh, for (laughs) sure. We had, (laughs) we had about the same amount of success as resurrection of Kevin Stone. Um, and, uh, so anyways, I got to meet him there and he, and, and a Tori of course told him that I was also first AD and, but we'd made this movie together and he enjoyed the movie. So, um, so then later on when, uh, resurrection failed and, and then the chosen was birthed out of that. Um, and he made the, you know, the pilot, he was starting to look, he actually called me for the pilot. Um, I was uh, the, the shepherd, but oh, I was yeah, already yeah. booked on another film and he had called me and said, Hey, I'm not just Tori, but some other producers in town have suggested you and said, you're great first. And I'd like to bring you on this pilot. And I was like, I'm already on another show. So I couldn't do it. So then once the pilot took off and then they were going to make the first four episodes of the chosen, he called and, um, said, I've talked to every producer in town and they all suggest you. And he's like, so I guess I should hire you. And we kind of, we did an extensive interview and stuff like that, but we had never actually worked together before chosen. Oh, cool. And so then he, he called and interviewed me and, um, said that, uh, everybody he talked to couldn't say anything bad about me. And I said, that's cause I pay them all very well. <laughs> and, uh, so then we went from there. <laughs> awesome, dude. That's dude. The chosen has been one of those shows that, um, I mean, I, I said this to, to Justin also, since you're a basketball guy, I think I can use this reference. I hate it when people say that Dirk Nowitzki's a great shooter for a big man. And I'm always just like, no, he's just a great shooter. And The Chosen is one of those shows where sometimes you might see a movie or a faith-based movie or show or something say, man, it's really, really well done for, you know, faith-based project. But The Chosen is just really well done 
for any show. Like the quality of it, the acting, the uh, what you guys do behind the cameras, the setups of all the the shots and everything. It looks great. Um, the tone is great. I love one of the things that's my my favorite things about the show is the music. The guys that do the music are just phenomenal. Um, and so I mean that's an, uh, speaks to all the 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 decisions that are made behind the scenes too. Um, but my question for you with this is how do you go about making sure that the quality with this show doesn't dip, uh, when you've got, I mean, the, the pressures, the bar set kind of high now with you guys, because it's been so good up to this point. So making sure the quality doesn't dip, you don't, uh, rush into anything and just try to get content out and make sure. So what's the, what's your process of making sure that it stays this high quality? Oh, throw more money at it. <laughs> so you need more more fans to give more money. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I say it jokingly, but it's 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 halfway true too. Yeah. I mean, you really like to up the project. You need more money yeah. and to and to to get better and to do better. As far as as far as um, making it now, the writing, of course, that that um, that I would say that's the hardest part to write to continue to get better. That right. because you can throw way more money at the writing, and it doesn't matter; it can still be trash, as we've seen with lots of big Hollywood right. blockbuster movies or shows is the writing can be bad no matter how much money you have. Yeah. Now on the production side of things, I think throwing more money at it truly does work. It, you can have more things. You can do bigger things. You can do, you can have more time, like more money equals more sure. time on set yeah. and that more time gets you better performance, more time to get the scenes. Right? So I think more money for sure definitely helps in the production side of things now, but again, that doesn't help in the writing. And I think that, um, you know, and I think the, the good thing that Dallas and, and his team are doing is that, you know, they are rushing, but they're not rushing to a point of sacrifice, right? right? So they are trying to get those episodes out, but it's just, they're just doing it full time. You know I mean? They're, they're putting all their time and effort into it to make sure it is good. And I think that, of course, it's surrounded by prayer and, and people around them that are praying. And so there's lots of, I think there's lots of factors in there of why the writing will continue to get better and does get better. Yeah. I mean, for me, each season when I read the next set of scripts, so I've already read season four scripts now. Um, and, and it just gets better every time I did. And I did the same thing for this season, for season three. I was at, when I remember reading the scripts during season two and it was like, man, it's getting better. And then season four, I'm like, it's, it's, it's good. It's just like, it just keeps building and it's building on these great characters they've already created and made the disciples real and authentic and relatable to all of us so that it doesn't just feel like these cookie cutter actors. It's like, because it's so relatable. Now we, we can, it's almost like we can only keep going up because you've already set the, t you've already connected people to these actors, to these, or to these characters, to, you know, to Mary and Simon and, and, and Eden. And, and you just, people are so connected with them now. Now you can just dive deeper into real life events that happen. Yeah. yeah. What have you noticed yourself uh, being like, feeling like you can really relate to any one of these characters? Cause you guys really have over the last two seasons, especially uh, really dove into like the some some deep storylines with the, especially like with Simon and Eden in these last few episodes that we've seen. Mm -hmm. um, have you mm -hmm. noticed that you relate to any one of these characters specifically? Oh, for sure, Simon. Yeah. Um, so I'm a I'm I'm a natural. I'm in, as we talked about earlier. I'm a natural born leader. So I like I, I definitely am like Lord's like we're gonna do this. I'm like all right, here's what we're gonna do, and I'm gonna make a plan. Do it. He's like hold on, slow down. <laughs> You know what I need? Like, and so Simon does the same thing. He very much is like, I got this. I'm going to take over. And Jesus is like, slow down. Let me, or like, even in the first season, <laughs> yes. I think, I think there was the, if I'm remembering right, it's been a while since I watched the first season, but at some point, um, he, he's asking the question, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here because he is like, uh, he's such an mm -hmm. outgoing 
guy and he feels like he's there to to be kind of a protector and and uh mm-hmm. i forget what the line is but it's basically like i don't know what that is and he, you can see the frustration of him mm-hmm. uh and i think i i think you and i might be similar in this like uh just hearing from what you're saying about yourself like sometimes patience isn't our strong suit like we want right. to let's get this going so like having to wait yeah. around um the way that simon simon's waiting around for like what's my what's my calling here i don't really know what i'm supposed to be doing yeah. like you guys all Seem it's to be like, I'm just following us. you around and I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but like, I need to do something. So I think it, it's like the end of season one when Jesus is like, okay, I'm, in, I'm telling people let, he, like Simon's so excited. Yeah. It's like, okay, now we can do, you know, like, that was, we have a plan. That was probably, I mean, it's such a, uh, again, great. The, the reason why I say this is such a great show is in the first season it right away. I think the first episode, when, when you see Jesus, you don't see him till the very end of the episode. And then he talks to Mary mm-hmm and heals Mary, and then the episode ends, and you're like, oh, I gotta watch another one, and that's like, I mean, mm. for for the day and age we're in with shows, like, that's like what you want from a show, is you want to have to watch the next one, so when you see that yeah. conclusion of season yeah, one, and he's like, it. let's go, you're like, wait, I want to see him get the rest of the disciples together, and I want to see him start telling yeah. people what's going to happen happen next, so um, what's re- mm-hmm. what's been the highlight for you working on The Chosen? And that's, it's so hard to say. Well, uh, okay, maybe it's not that hard. I had to think about it for three seconds. Now it's not hard. <laughs> no, but what I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say, though, is that there is a lot of, there's a lot of great things. But I would say the number one is, I was just talking to um, my second AD the other day about this, because um, I have a second assistant director, and she's been with us for a while. And But I was just talking to her about this, is like, you know, we work on movies. I work on other movies and shows, as you know, like I'm not ashamed and other things like that. And uh, nobody says, nobody tells me thank you for doing I'm not ashamed. Like even other Christian projects, nobody just says, I'm, I'm so thankful for you for doing that project. But for The Chosen, I mean, it's almost a daily, definitely a weekly thing where people that see me or even just message me online and uh, and just say, Thank you for what you do yeah. for being a part of the chosen. Thank you for making the chosen. It's like nobody's ever thanked the first AD for doing a movie. Nobody cares. Yeah. Like, and that's fine. Most people probably don't even know so that's you, a thing. <laughs> right. It, exactly. And that's what's so unique about the chosen. It's awesome. It's like every single crew member, even down to the production assistants, which would be like the lowest person on the totem pole, people tell them like, and I hear them tell stories of people coming up to them and saying, thank you for being a part of the show. Yeah. Thank you for making this show. And it's like, that's I mean, it's just, it doesn't exist anywhere else in the business. So it's really cool what was to it, see that. What was it like? Cause I mean, with the first season, you guys started filming in what, 2018? Is that right? I think so. Yes. And yeah. then really like, I didn't even hear about it until probably some, sometime before like 2019 or something. My wife had seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, you got to well, watch you, you this. You were early. Well, Most I think. people didn't hear about it until 2020. I, well that, and then 2020 came around and it was like all of a sudden, I see it just like all over the place. People are talking about it all the time. It's on social media. And, um, when COVID hit, we started, that's when I started the podcast here was, was during COVID. And, uh, I'm like, mm-hmm. man, that's when I reached out to Justin. Well, just the Instagram account and was like, is there anyone I can interview? And originally when I had done that, it was like, yeah, Dallas can, can jump on. And I'm like, seriously, like that's, he's, he's available, yeah. that kind of thing. But by the time it happened, it had exploded. Mm. Like it was like all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. you guys are, you guys yeah. are firing away on season two. Um, I mean, it had gone from, it had gone from like me at the church talking to people being like, have you heard of this yet? 
to now, I mean, even not even a, a year after, maybe during season two, people coming up to me being like, have you seen the latest episode? Um, and so it really exploded. <laughs> what was that like for you guys to see the progression of like, uh, maybe not that many people knowing about it to all of a sudden it's like a phenomenon. Yeah. So what's cool is it's, it was, it was of course surprising, but also not like, I, I'll never forget when Dallas first sent me the scripts, Dallas sent me the first four scripts, you know, they'd only written four. We were only mm-hmm. going to shoot four when he's first trying to hire me and he sends me the first four scripts and he says, uh, take a read these. He goes, these, these could end up being huge. Like he's like, this could be like just another thing, but these have potential to be very big and huge. And, and sure enough, I read the first four scripts and I had the same exact feeling. I remember reading it going, and of course, my first question was, who in the world's going to play Jesus? I've yeah. never seen Jesus played this way. I can't see it being done. And that's the first thing Jonathan, I called Jonathan's like, phenomenal, man. That guy, right. he's got well, it pegged. Well, here's the funny part. I called Dallas, and I'm like, who's playing Jesus? I was like, I just don't see it. Like, it's written so well, but I just, I've never seen anybody play it that way. And he goes, oh, it's a buddy of mine. I've already worked with him before. I'm like, oh, great. This is awful. Yeah. Like, Dallas is bringing his buddy on to play Jesus. So I was like, <laughs> oh, boy, this is, gonna, this, this is not going to be good. I was like, so much for this being huge. And then of course um, I start seeing some of the characters. I mean, as soon as we started filming, I mean, it was, I, I instantly knew for me, I, cause I knew the scripts were already good. My concern was honestly the talent. I yeah. hadn't seen talent like pull this off. And we first started filming those first four episodes. I was instantly impressed. I was like, Oh my goodness, these actors are so good. Like this is on point in the moments with Jesus and all that. And I remember being like thinking, wow, this, this could be big. Now on that, of saying, of course, we're thinking, wow, this could be really big. It still has exceeded expectations. We yeah. still go, oh my goodness! Like to know that it was like even season one, we were the number one crowdfunded project of all time, including secular projects of all time, and now we're just we're just blown that out of the water. Yeah. I'm like, that's just it's crazy, and so it's cool to be like to read it, to see it originally and go, wow, this could be really successful. This could be big, but then to actually see it go big is like wow I, we were right like we didn't know but we were like wow it really is it, it's huge so did you have anybody um, saying like nah this isn't gonna work like th- that you were close to like your family or anybody like no i don't see this happening and now you can be like i told no, you no no yeah no not like that because it was like anybody i showed it to which i mean i, I didn't really show anybody the scripts and but once we started filming and i'd show people stuff i mean instantly people that yeah. the problem was the word just wasn't out there but instantly people as soon as they saw it they loved it so Honestly, no. Everybody kind of saw saw the potential from the beginning. Of anybody I would show, they loved it. The problem was just nobody had seen it. Yeah, it was like one of those things of like, well, nobody's seen it, but anybody that's seen it loves it. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, obviously, once you guys got uh, some traction and and more social media attention, you're not gonna you're not gonna have a hundred percent of people be like, you guys are amazing. You've got the, I mean, you guys, I think you guys have a pretty good sense of humor about it too, with the people that'll be like, this show's so boring, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're going to have the people that are going to just rag on it because mm-hmm. that's what they do. And, uh, but man, here's what I wanted to ask you. You kind of touched, touched on this a tiny bit with the, uh, with the actors. Uh, were you involved in the casting first of all? No, I'm not involved with the casting at all. Okay. So I, the amazing thing to me was I watch a ton of movies. I watch a ton of TV shows. I'm one of those people that just has to constantly have noise on in the background. So like the amount of stuff that I can pump through because I just have things on is quite mm-hmm. a bit. So when my wife got me to watch this show, the the one of the things that got me to actually, because honestly, dude, when there's 
there's faith-based projects. Sometimes it's really hard to, to sit through some of them because they're really cringy. Like there's a lot of stuff that's, uh, and, and honestly, like you said, money, more time, like there's, it's not always the fault of the script. It's not the fault of, of, uh, it's, eh, but it's, a lot of times it is. Sometimes it is. Yeah. But I mean, like there's <laughs> yeah. also times where it's like, man, this really could have been done super well, but you can right, just see totally. the budget wasn't there. And it's like, yeah, they probably had to shoot this in three weeks or whatever it was, you know? Um, but the, mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I actually decided to watch the chosen was because I recognized somebody, which was Eric Avari. And as soon mm-hmm. as I saw him, I'm like, Oh, they got this dude. And I didn't know his name at the time, but I'd seen him in, you know, like the mummy. And I think, uh, one of the Sam Stargate. movies. He was oh, Mr. Deeds. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And so that's what got me to watch it. But besides him, I didn't recognize anybody and so right for 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 me to watch this and be like how are none of these people a bigger deal like they're all so stinking talented um but how mm-hmm. have you guys i mean i guess if you're not involved in casting maybe this isn't a great question for you but do you know how you guys have gone about not only finding talented people but the people that the right people to portray these characters like it's such a unique set of characters yeah, I think um, I, I can speak into it a little bit. I mean, I know because I know Dallas and I know the actors well because I work with them a lot. Sure. I just don't I don't have anything to do with making the decision of who comes on board. Yeah. But if you hear Dallas talk about them, almost all of them audition for another role too. Like I, I like um, like just this latest episode five, he was talking to Lana and she had auditioned for Mary Max, and and of course was great. But so they circled know, back to you, her. right? Yeah. So it's like um, so so many of them could have been another character. Dallas kind of had to puzzle piece them together. And then of course you go, you look at like Liz is such a perfect Mary Mags and Lara is such a perfect Eden. It's like, you couldn't have it any other way. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that, but I also think that um, Dallas just did his dude. I mean, he did go to, he didn't, you know, I think the problem with a lot of Christian projects is they don't, they don't go to LA or New York or where all the actors are. They kind of just, they, they want to hire local, which mm. is cheaper and easier. Um, and of course we look local too, but he, he looked everywhere. You know, it wasn't just, um, he wasn't just looking locally. So he's looking where actors are and agents. And a lot of them, um, they, they have been on stuff. They are professional actors. That's what they're doing, but they're, they're landing supporting roles in like mm-hmm. some other shows and stuff like that. So they don't have big roles, but that's what they're doing. And so, um, I, I'm sure it wasn't, uh, uh, an easy process, but I think, you know, he just did a very extensive, uh, um, audition process of seeing him in the room. And I've seen some of the original auditions and I, and they've posted some of them like, uh, Liz's, um, for Mary Mags and, mm-hmm you just see it there from the beginning of going, wow, this person obviously knows what they're doing and they're very good. And so I think that, um, you know, he hired good casting director, Bebby Holloway, who knows a lot of actors too. And he kind of just went that direction. And then it was just, they've gone, he's gone through a lot of people sit through a lot of auditions to get the right people. And know? I guess it's a great, uh, kind of illustration with the show too. Cause like you said, like, this is great, but people don't know about it. A lot of these actors, maybe it's the same thing. These people are so talented. They just haven't had their shot yet. They haven't been mm-hmm. seen yet. And so no one, has anything to to reference with it i wanted to ask you um since you've been involved with it through the the last uh or through all the seasons season two you guys had that episode that um again i in no way am i saying i don't know how what it's like to be uh behind the camera of something but just watching so many films and then being in film school for a year i i can see the ambition that there was with the the episode that you guys did where it was one continuous shot um so Mm -hmm. i wanted to ask you what what made you decide to do that? Cause there's so many things that can go wrong in each shot that it's like, I mean, like you guys have, I think you've posted things all the time where planes fly overhead and it's like, all right, we got to 
retake that one. Somebody trips, a crew member gets in the shot, something like that. But this one continuous shot, like that's that's a huge that's a huge ambition to do. And you guys, I feel like you guys nailed it. I don't know if it's if it turned out as perfect as you wanted it to be. I thought it was perfect. Um, but what what made you choose first of all that episode to do that on, and then why do it in one continuous shot? Um. Uh, you know, I don't know that there's a there's a a great like a, a very surprising answer behind it or anything like that. But it was just like it was more of just kind of the, the I don't want to say the cool factor, but it was like we could do this. Like um, the the cinematographer was the first one to present it. He uh, Akis comes to Dallas and was like, "What if this just played out as one?" Because he's like, "There's so much talking, and it's all kind of conduced to the one camp area." Like what? Like, why don't we make it, instead of just coverage, coverage like we normally do, let's just make it way more interesting and try to squeeze, try to do it all in one. And, um, and, and so he kind of just presented it. They walked through it several times and talked about it. And then it, 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 it was a discussion for a couple of weeks and they just kind of kept talking about it. And eventually it was like, well, it's schedule. And on your note of like, yes, there was probably 150 things that could have went wrong in those 15 minutes. And just like endless amounts of things could easily go wrong to ruin the shot for a second, start over. And, um, uh, and, and one of the factors was it changed our whole schedule because I mean, we, we can't shoot 15 pages in a day. Normally we yeah. normally shoot like five to seven pages in a day. So this day we're shooting 15 pages in one day. Well, if we don't get it, well, guess what? We need a whole nother day just to get that. So that's so that jacks up the whole schedule. And, and this is in the middle of the schedule. And so the, the factor of like, we had to make the decision too pretty early on of just going, okay, are we doing this? Are we going for it? One, because that's 15 pages in one day. And you got to rehearse it. Everybody's got to know the blocking and everything. It's just a, it's complex. So, yeah. So then we went into it and, uh, we, um, did rehearsals all day. We, I think we did the shot a total of with the actual camera. We only did it three times. That's crazy. um, But we, but we rehearsed it, you know, I can't, I don't even know how many times and they'd rehearse it with just the phone, the phone that has the lens on it of just walking yeah, away because yeah, yeah. the rig was too carry to heavy. That means or too heavy to carry that many times. And, uh, the first one we did was almost perfect. Um, but then there was, uh, they missed, there was a, and all the actors have to hit it too. They can't miss a beat. Right. There was a line miss, uh, or a line or two missed and the camera had a bump at some point. And so there was like, it was usable, but there was a few mistakes. And then the second time we did it, um, the sun had gotten too low and the shadow was casting off the camera onto the actors oh. happened a couple times. And it was like, it happened too many times where we couldn't do it. Yeah. Or, and then there might've been another one. And there was another time where the, the, the cinematographer literally just couldn't make it through it. He like fell to his knees. He's too heavy and too tired and couldn't make it. Yeah. The, the, the operator. Yeah. Those rigs um, are so stinking big, man. Yeah. So it's like a normal, the normal rig. I, I don't know the exact way, but the normal like rig that, a that, a Steadicam operator carry was like, is like 30 pounds maybe ish. And then that rig, that rig is double that. So it's like, it's double the weight. Cause call it this. Normally he can, uh, on a Steadicam rig, they can only go up and down. Like this can't go real low or real high, but it's called a Trinity. And then they can take the camera really high and then they can go all the way down to the ground. And so we needed that flexibility to be able to capture the whole scene, but he's carrying double the weight to make that happen. That's to be able crazy. to swing that thing around. That's crazy. We- so yeah, I mean, when we got the shot, I mean, he, he literally hit the ground like was like panting, breathing and like we dumped water on him and drink water and was like, didn't move for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but of course, and, and, uh, and of course the cinematographer wanted to get it at dusk because that would be the perfect time because 
then you can't cheat, right? Like you start out in the scene, you see the sun ball. And then as we get to the scene, it's It's by the, by the last two minutes of the scene, it's almost pitch dark. Like, and so the problem with that, of course, is you have to do it once. So even if we started shooting the scene and we got 10 minutes into it and somebody messed up, we couldn't start over because now it's too dark. Yeah. So, so that, that, that the time we got it was the absolute perfect time. We couldn't have started five minutes later and we couldn't have started earlier or it wouldn't have worked. And so it was like, it was, it was the perfect time and we had to get it. There couldn't be a mistake. Did you guys have a and party there's, afterwards? There's a couple, yeah. <laughs> I would have. Well, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't as sure as you think. Like oh, okay. it was like, like Dallas steps out and goes, I really think we got it. Like I feel good. And the sim target's like, I feel good. And then we watched the playback and, uh, and they're just like, I really think we got it. I think we got it. So it was kind of more of that. It wasn't like a, cheering but it was like i really think we got it yeah and so they actually went we wrapped and they went and watched it you know on a bigger screen to decide what we're doing the next day because we were either doing it again or we can move on to the next thing and so it wasn't like that instant gratification they they had to review it you know yeah i have a there's a few little mistakes in there but nothing that nobody really there was a camera bump like at one point but they could they smoothed it out yeah i honestly i mean i've uh, seen the episode a few times and so one of my favorite movies of all time is Rope, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. And he does, mm. I don't know if you've seen that, but he does the same thing uh, where he does it. And I think it's in 15 minute increments because I don't think back then, I don't think they had enough film to be able to do a full movie. But the movie, mm. I think it's four separate continuous shots and it does exactly what you guys did. And so I'm like watching this going like, dude, this is so stinking cool. And so I've seen it a few different times. It's one of my favorite episodes because of how you guys did that. Uh, and also just the drama between the disciples. It's so real. Like if you're around, man, if you've ever had a roommate, how nuts you, they can drive <laughs> yeah. you. They could be your best friend and you guys, you guys can, will just drive each other nuts. And so for the stuff to come out, you know, about like Matthew being a tax collector and, and guys getting a little bit like, seriously, that's what you did. And, and the tension was built up already to me. The tension was built up because of what you guys did at the first part of the episode with the continuous shot. And so then the rest mm-hmm. of the episode, it's like, you're, Dude, you're in it. That's just what it feels like. So, yeah, um, totally. Well, you you had mentioned earlier season six. Uh, you said season six is going to be going to be tough. But uh, is that the what's the plan as far as how many seasons you're going to go here? Are you guys going to just keep it going, or do you have an end point that you're going to stop this one and maybe start mm-hmm. a different story? Yeah, and I'm not sharing anything new. Dallas has shared this online, but yeah, yeah the plan is uh, we'll do seven seasons. Yeah, and it's eight episodes each season, just like it has been. And season six is the crucifixion. Okay. So then season seven, yeah. we're going to, we're going to delve into probably where the disciples go from, from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, and maybe I haven't seen da- Dallas. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Dallas talks a lot. So, um, sometimes when, <laughs> when you're watching oh, the, the stuff, <laughs> my, my, uh, uh, my dad told me, he's like, dude, if you ever got to interview Dallas, I don't know if you're going to get a word in. And I'm like, I'd love the challenge. It'd be fun. Um, but no, so I've listened to him a lot, but I, I don't think I've ever heard him talk about if there's any plans uh, to go like into a story about Paul or something after that you finish with the chosen. So he's hinted at it. Okay. He's not officially said anything like that, but he's hinted at spinoff shows. He's hinted at, you know, at the book of Acts and breaking off into other series and things like that. Yeah. Um, he's made little hints towards it. And, but that that's about the extent of it. Yeah. There's nothing official that he's, he's committed right. to, to doing or whatever. Um, because the Correct. source, the source material obviously offers plenty of, of storylines that you could follow. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, having, having says seven seasons is going to be great. I love that. Uh, I mean, my wife and I love watching every episode each week. Uh, 
we seven o'clock when it's when it's on we want to come watch it so uh, I got one more question for you and uh, and then I can let you go um, thanks for taking the time to do this by the way uh, now that we're we're about five episodes into season three at the time we're recording this this will season uh, episode six will be out by the time I uh, I post this um, but I we've talked a little bit about how how much we've dived into the the characters and some of this stuff that's not actually part of scripture but we're digging into these relationships that especially like Nicodemus in season one, Simon and Eden uh, in this season now is, is, is big. And then of course we even have the conversation between Simon and, and Gaius. Uh, I think that was the last episode. And it's just this, mm-hmm. these really fun relationships that aren't part of straight out of scripture, but it's all like, this is really how it could have been. Like it fits. How do you guys decide when you're filming these to make sure that you don't contradict any of the truths from scripture when you're adding into things like this? Yeah, I think, um, well, usually by the time we get to filming, we don't have to worry about contradicting because Dallas and the writers have already worked that out in the writing. And they do, they back themselves. So they, um, you know, he's got some great videos on round tables and things like that where he, you know, he brings in, um, he's brought in some some Jewish leaders and um, uh, uh, philosophical, you know, I'm not not sure of all the names, but he's, he's brought in some, heavy philosophical hitters that know everything about the Bible, know it in and out. And they, and they fact check, they, they check their stuff. So it's like um, the stuff that is scriptural and the stuff that is for sure in the Bible, like they, they want to make sure it's right. And they, they do. So when they write the scripts, they go back and fact check it. Yeah. Fact check it, check it. And then it's, I think for the story part of it, for the parts that aren't in the Bible, you know, I, I think, you know, it's coming from, people like you, it's coming from creators that are fans of shows, mm-hmm. fans of shows like that are just good. Like, like, um, like when, when the chosen first came out, I always re- related it to, it's the Christian version of lost. Cause I thought lost did so good of diving into characters yeah. and it was all about like, you just go into depth with these characters to learn and care about them. And so the chosen that's a good, does the same that's thing. a good so comparison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, and when season one came out, that's what I always told everybody when I was trying to get people to watch it. Well, it felt like, the same. Just, it felt the same as far as yeah. like, I, I got to watch the next one. Like lost was that lost was, was, yeah. you couldn't get enough. And, and of you it. just like, I got, I, I got, I got so involved in the characters. I cared yeah. so much about characters and I like had the characters you love and you hated and you wanted to see them succeed or fail or, and, and, and that's what the chosen has done. So I think that that's kind of like, that's what they're focused on. And then where their stories go, it ultimately leads up to what is scriptural, right. And, and could have been. And so of course we can watch it and just go, I think that we care about that character. So that's a situation they could have put themselves in, you know? Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's what, you know, that's where they stay true to is at the end of the day, they're also writers, um, story first, you know, it's like, it's like the, what, like, to make it relatable to you and me and to make you want more, just like you would in the other TV show. Yeah. And which is why, as you talked about earlier too, there's people that love the show that are interested in the show that aren't even Christians. They don't know right. anything about Jesus and they've fallen in love with the show and everything's a surprise for them. You know, sure. the stuff that's like normal for us that were raised in church, you know, right. When Jesus starts quoting scripture, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, when we know it's coming. And so it's like, it, that's how good they've created it of just a good show. It, 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 you don't have to know the Bible or, or, or be raised in church. You can right. just watch it and go, I love these characters. I relate to these characters. Yeah. Just like any other TV show. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, it's been phenomenal to, to watch and, and it hasn't, it, it's not like, um, I mean, season, season one, I think the, the, the climax of season one for me was the conversation with Nicodemus. And of course that's also the most easily the most well-known 
passage for people that even aren't Christians. I mean, Tim Tebow with John three sixteen on his on his uh, his under eye stuff and all over the place. And so people know um, if if they don't know the Bible, John three sixteen might be something they've heard of. So the the climactic conversation between him and Nicodemus was so. Uh, impactful. I think like I, I watched that and I've, I've heard people that aren't Christians or maybe they're, you know, they, they come to church, but they're not really sure like about everything. They're still asking lots of questions and they watch it and they're like, man, this is so stinking good. Um, so you, you guys, you guys do a phenomenal job. Um, let, let me uh, ask you how we, how we can support the chosen. Um, I've had Justin do this each time. So just give us kind of a, uh, a rundown of how we can be supporting you guys, not just financially, but in other ways too. Um, but I know since you are crowdfunded, that's where we, more seasons are only going to come if, if, uh, if fans of the show are going to support mm-hmm. it. So yeah, give us uh, a little rundown of how we can support you guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, it's been a word of mouth thing. So it's like, you know, just uh, the big one is, I mean, chosen has a lot of cool merch. I've got a hoodie on right now. They have a lot of cool merch. I should have worn my hoodie. I have a hoodie about it too. And it, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it supports the show. Yeah. So, and they have so many cool hoodies, hats, beanies, like even devotional books and like, and the DVDs, if you want to actually own them, like, so, I mean, they got everything on there on the chosen gifts.com. And, uh, I, I think they've changed it. The chosen gifts.com will still get you there, but I think they recently changed the site. Um, and so I think, I think just buying, you know, if you want to buy some merch, you get some cool clothes and you get some merch and you're supporting the show. So buying from that, the, from the show is super helpful. Um, they started that new foundation, the come and see foundation. If you just want to directly donate money and the come and see foundation matches a dollar for dollar, um, to, to put in the show, which is great. So it's like for big time investors. Now it's a 501 C three. It's a tax write off mm. for the people who want to drop some big dollars on the show, which is great. Cause that's never been an option before, um, until now. So that's really cool uh, that we just started. Um, and then of course, just praying for the show and praying for like what, especially when we start production, it's hard. I mean, it is, I've, I've worked on a lot of other movies and shows and the chosen is, has its own unique challenges. And, um, and so just praying for the production too, uh, while we're filming, it's difficult, hot days in the, in Texas, we've had, cold, we've had, we've had extreme weathers of the of storms. We've had the cold, we've had the hot. And so, you know, just over the cast and crew of just like making it sometimes just making a show. is just extremely hard, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and we're battling weather and, and other things. Yeah. You know? season, season four, you guys, you said the script's already done. You guys, when do you start filming that? March 27th. Right. Oh, so now, pretty I believe soon. is our first filming day. Yeah. Pretty soon. Nice. Um, I just got back from Dallas yesterday, actually, uh, meeting with Dallas and, and some of the, uh, production talking schedule and doing meetings and sweet kind of starting to gear up. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you working on anything else right now or is this your sole focus? Uh, this is the focus right now. Yeah. I, um, I, this season normally I do something in between, but yeah, after this past season, I just took some time off. I like I said, I have nice. five kids at home and, um, so I've, I've been off since we finished in September. I, I, I do a day play doing some Nashville stuff, like some music videos and commercials and things like that done a few little things um and uh wanted to help those guys out over the shift but uh and uh, justin but uh just didn't just didn't Dude, that, that i'm so, excited so, yeah, about I that staying home. that's gonna be a cool movie yeah i, I the short film's really well yeah, done brock so I, brock's I've a cool guy too friends. yeah 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 have you had brock on the show yeah yeah nice yeah yeah i've, I've met brock and brock came out on the chosen for a little while and um and they, and uh, and I'm excited for them to do so. I'll probably go out and visit them and and go see what they're up to. But I just didn't have time to to work on it on and then also jump back into the chosen. So yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of chilling. 
Yeah, there's a, quite a few people that are involved in both, right? I mean, there's quite a few of the actors. I think um, uh, Liz is the main, yeah, one of the main sure. characters. And um, I forget, there's a couple other guys, I think, that actually isn't one of the yeah, Lost Liz guys, Paris. Hurley from The Lost, isn't he in it? Yep. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. So now we're mixing. Now we're mixing. It's it's my dream come true. We're mixing Lost and Chosen. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Great to meet you, dude. Um, I, I really appreciate the time that you take with uh, talking to people like me that aren't, I'm not a big podcaster. It's just our church and we, we love talking about yeah. this kind of stuff. So um, it's always a, it's always an honor to talk to you guys uh, about the show and we really appreciate everything you guys do. Hey, and thank you for, I'm not ashamed, by the way. Uh, you said yeah, people sure. don't normally thank you for that, but it's, I love that movie. It was great. Um, and then thank that's you for great. everything you do. I yeah. I haven't talked to anybody about that one in a long time. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I it stuck with me, man. I'm telling you. Um, but dude, thank you for everything you yeah. do on the show. We appreciate you guys. We'll be praying for you. And, uh, of course, uh, can't wait to see more of season three and then, uh, season four. So thanks Adam. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me.